0: Hey, this is actress Carissa Lee Staples, and you're listening to The O Brother Podcast. Welcome to The O Brother Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Smith. Alongside me, as always, my brother from the same mother, Mike Smith. How's it going, Dan? good man you know waiting for you is like waiting for Godot <laughs> I mean Jesus age Christ uh, who's uh, waiting on who I've been no. waiting on you let's no, go down I that path. oh see I knew I said I got he's gonna ready. no he's gonna pull this shit where I've been waiting on him then well, he reaches out a little earlier than anticipated and all of a sudden he's waiting on me it's well, don't even flip the tables what so we're going to talk about a family drama today. <laughs> all right. So it's November 15th, 2020. It, Let's get the business out of the way real quick. All things Oh Brother, you go to obpodcast.com, O-H-B is in brother, podcast.com. You can get access to all of our audio podcasts, all the YouTube videos, our blog that we put out almost weekly at this point and please go to our youtube channel and subscribe and hit the notification bell so you're notified every time we put out new content like this actually the blog is like bi-weekly almost yeah it's at least bi-weekly it's definitely been you know frequent and uh it's actually kind of some well i'll tell you about it in a minute but um you know, I, I just want to say at the start, can we just. Our number one episode to date, hands down, both audio and video viewers, is without question Mulan. That's and weird. can we, if you go, if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to that episode because it is one of our better episodes. But it's. Um, you, yeah, you know, we were split on that film. Oh, I, yeah. was, I was thumbs up. You were two thumbs down. Yeah. So I want to make it very clear up front here that only one of us has been out recently to the stores and purchased Mulan physical <laughs> copy collector's edition whatever it is so can we you know do you care to uh fill the audience in on uh, your le- recent I, purchase uh, of Mulan? How, did, how did you how did you like it, it, it you <laughs> ruined your gift i there, there goes christmas <laughs> i just love that you shit all over it and then you're like oh yeah i'm over at target getting the new milan movie <laughs> you've got like three iterations already lined up i um so I you've just, had to change your heart. I knew you'd know, come around. No, it's not. It's like a collector's thing, which yeah. is I I just get every Disney movie, right? So, but before it goes in the the, the vault. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm a sucker that way. But <laughs> yeah, I own it, but it's not even. I didn't even open it. It's it's. A, I'd be interested to see because I I would imagine. Well, right. You're not. Do you think you'll watch that again? I don't like know like next month when it comes, you know, when it's free to everybody on Disney Plus? I don't know to be honest with you. Yeah. I I can't see myself like saying what do we get? Uh let me throw in Mulan, the new one. Right. They they just announced um another live action one. And I forget it's like something stupid is coming like, to disney plus yeah like okay. one of their classics another one that's going to be like human and i i don't know i think they've got to slow down on like give us something something new the the big one that i'm looking forward to is soul which yeah i'm not i mean you know well have you out. have you watched any trailers not really what? no I but think you'll I'll like to see little, little tiny bits of it. Yeah. But I would imagine with Mulan, you're going to, I mean, so what is the one you got again? It's, it's a limited edition or target exclusive. Yeah, or it's the target exclusive okay. It comes with like a storybook, but or... I'd be surprised you wouldn't delve in because of the extras that are, I must be on there. Yeah. And there, there is some stuff. Um, I know I may, I may. That might give you a different perspective on it. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. So kind of an interesting Asian segue, if I can say that.
1: No. Which is into...
0: Yeah, I think I can. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Into uh, today's film, which we're talking about, The Ice Storm by Ang Lee. Yes. And um, this is a 1997 film. There it is. That's a Criterion, right? Criterion. Mike's holding up the Criterion box. Now, is that two disc? No, just one. It is just... Okay, so I have... I have the same thing then. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But you you have the DVD, and they uh, oh that's the DVD. Yeah. Now what extras are on the Criterion that you have, which is the um, Blu-ray, which that came out I think 2013. Is that right? I believe I is when the Blu-ray version came out. I th- yeah it was around there. I, mm-hmm. I, actually, the DVD came out in 2000. 2000- 2007 they Seven, did the right. interview with i don't know did you watch the interview with the author of the, the commentary uh,
1: oh uh, the not the commentary no the I, I
0: listened to the commentary yeah that was 2007 mm-hmm. so it probably came out 2008 right guess so but, but yeah on? the same extras well what's on there um i don't know if i can even read it oh okay well see. it's Wait. it's not just a commentary no there's the commentary then there's um, see Mayan. Mine- it's just yeah. the commentary, oh, that's it, yeah, you I was like have- how do they call this a criterion edition? You don't have the deleted scenes? no, Are you no sure? so remember when remember when dVds early dVds you used to have those Easter eggs in the menus, yeah, you know, you sort of like move the the button to the left and then would be like a something would sh- uh spotlight i know I know why I just figured out why, why? there's a second disc to the I DVD. see I knew, yeah. So where's my the, second disc you passed? I don't know. I um well, y- you hate physical media so much. Yeah, back then though. I was I was hesitating know. to even send you that that disc. I wonder if um, you have it laying around. You have to look. I'll check. I'll yeah. check cuz maybe I do. Cuz I wanted to see I just expected there would be more, but I was like a, yeah, I mean, the commentary is always great, but right. Um and I didn't listen. I didn't have time for the commentary. Um, oh, it's okay. been so okay. long since I listened to it. So maybe but, I'll get some insight. Yeah. Interesting that I wouldn't, you. you didn't, you know, I, and we can just say from the start, this is not going to be what, well, I mean, maybe something will come up, but we just equally love this movie. And And I have to tell you, it's, it, it wasn't as impactful to me watching it this weekend as when I watched it the first time. And I watched it twice. Wow. When did you, um, do you remember where you were when you first saw this? I was here. You were the one who told me about it. Yeah. I was here in Florida. I remember where I, I was in San Diego. I remember Could have been where a of number saw of it, but I don't think I even heard of it. Mm-hmm. And I knew Ang Lee because the year before he did sense and sensibility, which was a, a period piece. Right. And, and I think Anthony Hopkins is in it. And, uh, I like that, but I think this is an Ang Lee's best movie. I do too. I do too. And, and I also, I did some extra work this weekend and I, you know, I, I, I was like, what has Ang Lee been up to? I hadn't sort of checked in on him lately and I think he's has got stream. I think he's got something in the queue right now, if I'm not mistaken, but his most recent film was 2016 which was, and I don't even know if you heard of this, it's called Billy Lynn's Long Halftime yeah, Walk. it's a military... I watched it over the weekend. Did you? No mm. good. No, I would say Rotten Tomatoes has it right on that one. I would, the second half of the film is okay. Yeah. Uh, and with Ang Lee, just as in with the ice storm, like if you're not in for very character-driven movies, then just sort of don't even bother because he very much. Although Crouching Tiger, a Hidden Dragon. Yeah, with that which exception. Kind of vaulted him. Yeah. Maybe Life of Pi. It was all special pie. effects. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see Life of Pi? I didn't see Life of Pi, no. Because, uh, you know, the effects in that, it's basically a story about a kid stuck, a, you know, in a, in a, like a lifeboat. Yeah. With a with, with lion. lion. Yeah. And, um,. It it looks like the kid's like sitting there with a lion. So he he really, in fact, I think if he didn't come out with Crouching Tiger, there'd be no Matrix. Now, what is it? His partner is it James Hamus. Am I saying that right? I think so. Yeah. He, that that was the first movie they broke away from each other.
1: Life right. By.
0: Right. And you know, Ang Lee just kind of wanted to do a little something different. Um, he went more mainstream like he did the hulk the hulk right and that got bashed. and it's very interesting which i like his uh, hulk well the irony to me is the reason people bashed it is because of the cgi hulk which which i think is good yeah well they did the same thing with the net the new Hulk I I think what it I think what it is and and some of this I saw in interviews is you know because he focuses so much on the emotional uh aspect of the character he did the same thing for Hulk if you go back and watch that there's a lot of scenes where it's very you know you know Hulk sad you know and all this stuff it it um like billy lynn's long halftime walk it's just such a slow character development it just it almost it, it got boring to be honest with you who's but, in it well this is interesting this is one of the connections with this episode we're talking about I, I made some notes and just kind of some little throwaway tidbits but steve martin is in it and you we just put out a blog on steve yeah martin, and um I was surprised to find that. I looked, Kristen, Kristen Stewart is in it. Really? Yeah. Now, the the the, the main kid I, I didn't recognize, to be honest with you. Vin Diesel is in it and actually is one of the better performances in the film. Wow. Uh, and, and and Vin Diesel actually comes from like a New York theater background, believe it or not. He's not, right. you know, he's not the Fast and Furious numbskull that you might take him for. But... Um, but it was Steve Martin. It was interesting because it's based in Texas, and Steve Martin's got this like Texas draw, really. And he's pretty good in it. You know, Steve is as you would expect. He's he's pretty good. It was just a little odd to see him in this film because the movie around him just wasn't that good. Mm. It just wasn't that good. So I agree with you. I think this is Ang Lee's it's still his best film. Yeah. And, you know, he did, it was three or four films leading up to this, which were, you know, very similar in the sense that they were family, uh, family stories. But they were, they were basically in Taiwan, weren't they? Yeah. And so this is his first, you know, follow with an American cast, like following depicting After, american life yeah well sense and sensibility but that well that's course, a british a period piece drama and, right. yeah british yeah. american drama yeah the cast in this is yeah unbelievable phenomenal. unbelievable when so, you look at at this is all pre these all the actors in this what i'm trying to say is this is pre their big hits most i mean Kevin most Klein, i mean john A- sigourney yeah. weaver yeah but this is pre-alien isn't it no no no, no, no okay no, this is 97 to, right. yeah oh yeah 97 no, sigourney okay. weaver. yeah yeah and but Clint, it was Kevin- pre-spider-man right yes so yes, toby fact, mcguire right was toby- just coming into the scene and this was katie holmes first film which yeah she looks like Kind of a little girl almost. Yeah, very, yeah, very young. Uh Christina Ricci yeah. uh wasn't her first film, but you know, no. early in her career. She yeah. was only 16 when they were making this film. She in fact, she was studying for the SATs while they were filming it. Hmm. Um Kevin Klein, who had a long resume before this Big Chill and yeah. Dave, and you know, what all those other movies. Uh, or that might have come later, I think. And then Joan um, Allen, of course. Jonah Joan Allen may for me have been the most beautiful woman on the planet at that time in this movie she's just so stunning to watch and a, a wonderful actress i mean she's just oh yeah. uh, so powerful has she you know i i was curious i was asking myself watching it what where has she been well i i went and i was looking up a lot of these uh you know, IMDB to sort of see like Kevin Klein, same thing. And yeah, I actually didn't, I didn't pull her up yet. Uh, I didn't look at the filmography, but, but I believe like Kevin klein has got like three films in production right now. Hmm. And so there, you know, my favorite working. Joan Allen film is the contender where oh, the contender she right comes the vice president. Right. And Jeff, the dude Bridges, Bridges, Jeff yeah. Bridges, was the president. Let's give a shout and out. to Jeff Bridges, right now, too. By the way, yeah, I know. fighting we, his good fight. Yeah, I. The hope, dude, uh, the dude will abide. I hope he, he does okay. I hope he does well. Let Let's get into this, and and I want to this, you know, to to make it to simplify it. The uh, I think what's what's on Wikipedia sort of sets it perfectly, which it says. Set during Thanksgiving 1973, hence why, a big reason why we're talking about this film this month, because it's got a Thanksgiving theme. Set during Thanksgiving of 1973, The Ice Storm is about two dysfunctional New Canaan, Connecticut upper-class families who are trying to deal with tumultuous social changes of the early 70s and their escapism through alcohol, adultery and sexual experimentation. I just think that's a nice summary of it. Yeah. And then, you know, we can go all over the place with it. But, so, you have, you know, you're talking about, uh, and again, you just put out a blog about all the president's men Mm -hmm. uh, focusing on the Watergate scandal. So it's interesting, this film is set right in that, right when the hearings, I think, are maybe kicking off. Yeah. well, Well, Nixon... I thought Nixon resigned in 72. No. No, it wasn't until, I think it's August 73. Was it? it? Okay. Is? Something so like that. So it was right or, around. Or, he, or 74, it might have been. They use a couple of Nixon clips. Yes. And he, you could tell he, in fact, they used the ultimate clip with him saying, well, I keep a record of everything. He basically told the world I'm recording everything that goes diary. on, yeah. Th- which is what took him down, right? Right. But you know that's that's just it's a very s- minor sort of yeah, drop to the film. In fact, that's Christina Ricci's character only. She's into politics for some reason as a as a kid, right? Right. She, she's finding it fascinating. One of the scenes when they're, they're they sit down for Thanksgiving dinner, and they ask her to do. Case. Yeah, and she starts off kind of normal. It, yeah, uh, and thank then she's for this Thanksgiving holiday. Right. That, that we, we celebrate the raping of the Indian, the Native American land, and exactly. you know, all of that. Yeah, and Kevin Klein's like, okay, okay, geez, that's enough. Yeah, that's enough. But, but you the also, biscuits. <laughs> but it's important to yeah, fast the biscuits and the gravy. But it's it's important to put it in the context of the time, and we both you know you were older than me going through that period of time so you were sort of of some of these characters age yeah at the time of this film whereas i'm like still a baby well no well at that t- at the time it's set yes yes exactly but That's when it I came mean. out 97 no no, no but i mean right okay. 73 yeah yeah and um it was you know cuz it's coming off the 60s the the sexual kind of revolution of right. the 60s and so it's still in that era, but it's fascinating the way he, Ang Lee, bounces between the adults and the kids. Yeah, and he talks about, you know, there's a lot of commentary about this, this sort of embarrassment that was the 70s. Mm. You know, from the, the customs to the clothing to the you know, a lot of different things you can think about. And the fact that Watergate and embarrassment, right. Vietnam right. and embarrassment, right? You know, so again, Absolutely. the backdrop to this whole thing. And you have these families and these characters that are it's really a friend of mine, Annie, who I turned it, I turned her on it yesterday. Mm. Said, have you ever seen this film? And she's always curious what we're, you know, what's coming up. Yeah, and I told her about it. She'd never seen it. So she immediately pulled it up on Prime Video and watched it. One of the reasons I was excited, this was your idea to do this film. And I know you're you're really fond of it. And one of the reasons I was excited to do it was because I'm hoping we'll turn a couple people on to see it. I had the same exact thought. I really do hope that's the case for this film because that was one of the things I was surprised in in going doing, you know, some research was how little this movie made, has made. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, a budget of 18 million, it barely cracked 8 million at the box office. Now, it was released very sort of on a small scale in, you know, single theaters and, you know, it wasn't heavily promoted, but still. And, you know, so Gene Siskel, the great, film critic had this best film number in 1997 num- number one movie in 97 two thumbs up yeah yeah and you think of some of the other films at that point i think like la confidential yeah that was a it, right air force that, one and uh, that was a big year they saw films you know which again asian director uh, john Woo's, yes a uh, little connection there but so um so give us a you know uh Overview of your take on this. Well, it, it's you know, again, we, we got the summary, so you got the gist of what it's about, but um, and again, having I was I was a baby, but I grew up in the 70s, so I can relate to a lot of sort of what's in the film, uh, stylistically, anyways. Um but there's for me the complexity of family relationships which we could do a whole week's episode on that just ourselves, you know? I I can't imagine there's anybody listening that doesn't have or hasn't had that struggle of trying to navigate those kind of dynamics. Uh, You know, we've got siblings and our parents, and you mentioned the way that Ang Lee goes back and forth between the parents and the kids. In fact, uh, James... I need to look it up because I don't want to keep saying his name wrong. But the the screen screenwriter and producer, he uh, talks about uh, at that time this this very common concept of raising parents where the kids it, you almost turn the tables and you think about latchkey kids like that's how I grew up. Your mom and dad it, are working. I get home from right. school. I'm by myself at the house. Right. It's it's a, was, kind of a weird dynamic. Yeah, which is unusual because, you know, our mother, who the audience may be familiar with from Oh Mother, the episode. Good, ep- good episode. Uh, um, She stayed home and raised all the kids until we went to school. And then she went back to work. So you, yeah, you were the, you were kind of an exception because we were used to coming home. And mom was here because, especially, I guess, for me, you used to, I remember, go to our grandparents, which was close to our, All our elementary school. Mm-hmm. So you had a different dynamic of family, I think, than I did. Yeah, it, it's, it, but for me, that's really, well, it's 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 more than just that. Like, I, I wrote down a bunch of themes for me that stand out in this film yeah and you know one is existentialism Mm -hmm. uh, for all the characters really family infidelity um, sexuality and intimacy uh, tragedy and and it's interesting because ang lee talks about how this film he there's like 18 cuts of this film which i would love to see those different versions yeah the original it it came out two two uh, two and a half hours originally and it was very. It was much lighter. It was a lot funnier. Yes, which the novel is not. Which the novel is not right, and 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 certainly that this the the final film is not. Uh, although there are funny moments. Oh, I, I there are a lot of. Funny I thought there's a lot of humor in it. Yeah, but it's you know, it's much darker humor. than it is humorous. Oh, definitely. And I think that the author didn't like that as much it's um, it's a sad humor it, it, it's yeah it's kind of a pathetic humor yeah and you know i wrote this down as a theme just for me and 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 um i wanted to get your take on this but i, I wrote it down as awkwardness yeah and it, if if you notice there's a there's a couple of scenes the very opening scene or not the literally the very opening but within the first couple of minutes there's a scene where toby maguire is he's coming home from college on a train. Mm-hmm. And when the train gets to the station, there's a passenger that gets out first onto the mm-hmm. landing before he mm-hmm. does. And you notice when this guy walks out onto the landing, he kind of stumbles a little bit. He slips on the ice because yeah. it's winter and it's icy. Yeah. Uh, there's another scene with Elijah Wood. We didn't mention Frodo who's in this film too. Very, young, very but young. Just amazing in this there's a scene where he's playing uh, flag football and there's a kind of an awkward, right? This, he's going out for a deep pass, but mm. he just goes into just wonderland, goes into wonderland and, and the ball drops. Kevin Klein's character, Ben is leaving. Uh, he's having an affair with their friend's wife who played yeah. by Sigourney Weaver. And he's over at her house having a tryst and he's, and he leaves And as he's walking out of the house, he kind of slips on the rocks a little bit. And then he regains his footing. Elijah Wood, there's a scene where uh, he's riding his bike after Christina Ricci. He's trying to sort of chase her down. To uh, dump her. Yeah. He said, I don't ever want to see you again. And she's like, well, why did you follow me then? So he immediately turns the bike around and starts to go the other way. And he stumbles a bit. And he stumbles getting on the bike. So there's a lot of those... You know, the, there's a sex scene. Uh, as as the screenwriter would say, they attempted to make the worst sex scene in film history, which I think they might have achieved that in the car with Joan Allen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's so again awkward. So there's a lot of those awkward moments, and that just really stood out for me throughout the whole the whole film. Yeah, and I think that's that's life clumsiness. You know? Exactly, that's life. That's it's, right. That's right. And those are the things you don't see in movies. Right. Because they edit all that crap out. It's so odd. Yet, it's almost like he searched for the awkwardness. And I think some of those just happened. They may have. Because I I was hoping he would comment on it in the audio commentary and he did. on the disc. And there's no comment on any of that. Yeah. Any of those... Well, no, there me? is with, like, Elijah, the bicycle scene, but, you know, not the other ones. Yeah. I'm surprised because I think, I think a lot of them were, you know, we did Dr. Strangelove and George C. Scott has that scene where he falls down. Yes, right. And right. that was a mistake. That was not in... And he and just a, fell down and it's a it's masterful in and it's film. one of the best it's one of the funniest scenes yes and and kubrick talks about seeing it and, and you know he tricked george c scott through that whole movie you know for me it really primarily is about you know i uh, identity and trying to find your place in the world and within your own family. Now there's a great, and, and I'll just m- mention this real quick and then turn it back over to you is in the very beginning, there's a couple of good voiceovers by Toby Maguire. Yes. He's on the train reading a, a issue 141 of fantastic, a fantastic four. four, which kind of funny because of the Marvel reference and he would go on to be Spider-Man and Ang Lee directs the Hulk and right. And a couple of those things. But but uh, Toby McGuire, in doing these voiceovers, he's talking about different themes within the issue that he's reading of the Fantastic Four. Like, um, how the thing about the Fantastic Four as a family, quote unquote, is the stronger they get, the more harm they do to each other or, mm-hmm. or have the potential to do to each other. Right. So, like, he talks about the concept of antimatter and family as a void that you emerge from. And when you die, you return to, mm-hmm. um, and this negative zone. At one point, he talks about later in the film where some people can't help but go to that negative zone where they know they really shouldn't go because things probably aren't going to work out the way they like them to. But they like Sandy, the young kid in the film, who's he's either blowing up his army dolls. Or yeah, there's something wrong with Sandy. Something wrong with Sandy. So. But I thought the metaphorically the things that Tobey Maguire is, is describing in those scenes is, is a big part of the film too. That's much closer to the novel. Mm-hmm. The novel is driven by a narrative. Right. And um, I thought Tobey Maguire did a great job.
1: And there's he, only he, three.
0: There's only three in the film. Yeah. And, but his voice fit. It really being did. the person telling the story, like you said, on a on a much deeper level, mm-hmm. and uh, the way everything plays out in the in the movie. There's uh, it, it's interesting too because you sent out a uh, teaser for this episode saying winter is coming, right? And it's kind of a perfect shot of this movie and how drab. And how death, you know, death is a part of this movie too. Well, you know, Ang Lee mentioned, uh, if you've heard this, he considers this movie like a disaster movie. Really? I've heard him say that. Yeah, like disaster comes to this family. Yeah. And in fact, he there's a couple of references in the film. You're talking about the thing I teased out. It's kind of this image of a tree branch that's frozen over these icicles hanging off the branch. And he talks about uh, a couple of rhododendrons that are frozen. Yeah. And if you go back and watch, they look like the pods from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which was an influence in his head. Wow. While he was making this film. Anyways, just wanted to mention. Yeah, yeah, I know. How many times did they crack ice in this movie? Talk about that. In fact, talk a little bit about the ice storm. And, and sort of the the symbolism of that in the film, yeah. It's it's basically, you know, in Connecticut or anywhere in in the northeast. Wait a minute, New Canaan, Connecticut. <laughs> like, stop, New Canaan, Connecticut. Yeah, was that uh, which was is that the at appropriate, the end? Which is the proper pronunciation? Right. It's in but, the beginning and the end. But anyways, they filmed it in Connecticut, which is interesting Yeah, some, some mostly there and wasn't some of it in new york i think maybe some of the interior scenes maybe yeah i think so but that some of the but that's what there's ice there's a famous scene where there is an ice storm and um, the, and, it, and there was an ice storm in connecticut in 73 so this is that was yeah. an actual event that happened yeah and i'm sure the author wrote this from a personal perspective of what you know what the winter is like and i, I thought there's a connection between the ice and death a lot a, a lot of connection there and there was a scene there's a great shot where these people are getting on the train the infamous train we're talking about mm-hmm. and it's like uh that train is kind of a metaphor in the movie and they all are wearing these brown, drab. Every, every guy has the same trench coat. It's brown. It's drab. It's dull. It's bleak. Uh, you know, it's cold. Just, and all throughout the movie, we're seeing ice is kind of just woven through the film. Well, they talk about that. They actually comment on that scene in the commentary. Yeah, which one? Uh, that oh, the the one with, the, with all the passengers on the platform that are waiting to get on the train. Yeah, what did what did he say? Well, actually, all they were commenting on. So, because I don't know that it was intended in the way you think, but that's a great interpretation of it. Yeah, he was just saying how the costume designer sort of went a little overboard with everybody's wearing trench coat. Yeah, <laughs> the same the one. Same. But it 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 does stand out. It does sort of yeah uh, portray, like you said, this idea of death and just depression routine routine sure just you know like everyday life kind of stuff which here's a way to tie that in ang lee talks about his first i think he did three i think he did four films before this film three of them were considered a trilogy this sort of they kind of had similar themes and he said those films were more about good people trying to break social against the social norms. Whereas with ice storm, he sort of flipped that. And he said, these are more bad people trying to do good. And, hmm. and I think, you know, the, with the, you're talking about not early 1970s suburbia, right? You know, it's it kind of like what you're saying, uh, kind of drab and uh, conformist uniformity depression and sigourney weaver's character is really the only character who is really honest and just forthright and what you see is what you get yeah she's not right there's a couple of scenes like she's having the affair with the neighbor and they're in bed this is her and kevin klein and he's going on rambling about his golf game right and He's going, he's just rambling, and she stops and says, uh, What was his name? Kevin Klein's name, Ben Benjamin. Uh, Ben, yeah, can you stop? I already have a husband, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, don't that, particularly see the need uh, for a second, yeah, well. <laughs> exactly. Which is really kind of what gets people into the affair mode, is that's they get her character. These, routines and it's like it, you know it's that joke Carol leifer used to do in her stand up act oh, where she said you know married comedian. life it's great the first couple of years but then it gets to the point where sex when you're married is like I'll do this to you two three you do this to me <laughs> three four she says it's like a bad rumba <laughs> well it's so it's it, it's funny you say that because I had that thought at the beginning is this is another example of why not to get married. I mean, yeah, right. It's, it's right. Like, what more evidence do you need? Cause you always, it, every marriage gets to that point. It does. It does. And some people stick kudos, it out. Yeah. Kudos to those who can work it out and, and some move people, beyond that. Right. Some people take the other route,
1: which right. is, to, we know. A few and then
0: there's years another years. hilarious scene where they're about to have a tryst in her home i like how we're she, 80 years old Trist. yeah i know i think that welcome was used. to the old grandpa podcast <laughs> oh granddad yeah oh granddad yeah oh yeah. papa <laughs> she she uh you know they're just about to get started and he's rambling again and she says i'll be right back and All of a sudden, he's laying there, and you can hear the car start. It's like a Simpsons moment. That was so hilarious. Yeah, Homer leaves and gets in the car. That's where off. I, I connected with the movie was all that humor. It's interesting too because her character. There's a scene where she's in. It's another. This is one of the funny scenes where she's uh in her house reading a book. Her husband um, Jim, I think his name was. I don't think that's right. James, by, played by James Sheridan, who, again, was amazing. Yeah, and he, he had the smallest role. He but did. The he biggest did. impact. Of the main cast, yeah. Yes. But he comes in, He's comes back from a, a business trip, and he walks into the bedroom, and he and he plops down on what is a waterbed that they have. Yes. Sir Gourney Weaver just kind of goes. <laughs> but in that scene, she's reading a book called, uh, I think it's called When She Was... When she was good by Philip Roth, yeah. When she was good, And so I gotta look that up because again, these things are not just accidentally placed, right? And if you if you look up what that book is about, it 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 basically summarizes her character. So it's like oh, that's brilliant, and the little mm. placement of that, you know, that's like when Joan Allen is at the uh, a book fair, I think it is.
1: You know, yeah. it was like
0: a, a with book the reverend. Sale. The local reverend. With that, yeah, with that kind of odd reverend. Yeah. With, with the famous line, sometimes the shepherd has to make the with company the sheep. of the sheep. Something like that. It's so funny you bring that up because uh that's later on at the key party, which we'll talk about. Yeah. But so they there's a local reverend and then Joan Allen's character. And they meet up outside at at a at a outside book. What do you call it? book sale? Book. Yeah, fair? it was like a book fair. Yeah, book fair. And so they have a little you know moment, and then there's actually some scenes with them that got cut out of the film. There's a scene in a diner that I, I saw can, that. Did you, you see got that? On, scene? I don't have the. That's on the disc. disc too. You saw it's on the Criterion. Yeah. But uh, but later on, they're at this party and they meet again, and she says or he says that line. Yeah, he says, "I'm not even going to try to understand the implications of what that means." (laughs) Yes, because here he is, and then he just kind of walks off in shame. You know, exactly. Because he's clearly there to to mingle with, you know, have sex, have sex with someone. Yeah, Yeah. and the the diner scene that did get cut, they're they're having a conversation, and I, I I forget the conversation exactly, but at one point. Joan Allen says something kind of blunt and she says, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, uh, I I didn't mean to be so nasty. And she goes, Oh no, no, I I take it. And then one of the neighbors is coming up and she kind of thinks something's funny is going on between this reverend. He he's probably, he's the type of reverend probably has affairs with lots of the parish. You just get that feeling. Well, you know, money she, in that collection plate. Yeah, she comes, <laughs> she comes to the to the table and makes some kind of comment, right? As if I caught you two, and she walks away. And then Joan Allen says something, and I forget the line. I wish I could remember the line. And he says, "Well, now you are being malicious or, or really vicious." And he gets up and leaves in shame again. You know, I think that's why I got cut. Cause it was almost identical to that scene. Yeah. he took You know, that money. made the point. He was kind of the butt of a few jokes in that, in that film. There's, you know, there's some good building of tension throughout this film too. A lot of, a lot of different scenes that build tension really well. Some of my favorite scenes are, and I, and I wanted to ask you about this cause I, I made some notes about notable scenes. Yeah, um, but there was um, the the you know the scenes between uh, Sandy, the the character Sandy, who's played by oh God Andy something. I think he was again another connection to our previous Halloween episode. H2O. He was in H two O. Uh, he's wonderful in this film, but there's some scenes between him and Christina Ricci that are so incredibly awkward. Yes. Intense. Again, I mentioned sexuality and intimacy and kind of exploring the adolescence and all of that. And, you know, she gets him in the, they kind of cross paths on her way to the bathroom. Yeah. His house. And they have this little exchange and then she's like, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. And, this is like incredible buildup of awkward tension. And he ultimately sort of freaks out and he's like, What are mm-hmm. you doing in here? And then the mother, you know, Sigourney Weaver shows up and there's a and that bizarre, somewhere. that weird dialogue between us. Bizarre and dialogue <laughs> that <laughs> was so just weird. So great. You know, your body's yeah. your temple and exactly. All this stuff. But um my favorite one, maybe my favorite scene there's a scene with Christina Ricci and Elijah Wood uh, talking in an empty uh, in-ground swimming pool and they're about to kiss. And it's one of the most awkward, but perfect kisses of people that probably have never kissed before. It's so yeah. perfect. It's but there's a cr- I, I'm sorry. I mean to cut you no, off. No, no. I was just going to say there's a crane shot that Ang Lee pulls off where, you know, they're, they're having a little dialogue and then they start kissing and the crane just pulls up overhead. And it's yeah. just so, you know, in this huge in-ground swim pool, this is an amazing looking scene. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. It's really important to remember this is an affluent community. Right. And, but some of these issues are issues that everybody can relate to. The same thing, that line you know, I think every kid gets to a moment in time where that Christina Ricci line, you show me yours, I'll show you mine. is almost universally understood Mm -hmm. what that means. And that's what the author, that's what Rick Moody, the author of the novel talks about. Actually, he says that's why he believes that Ang Lee was so, uh, was able to so effectively translate through his vision, you know, Taiwanese director, but was able to capture the essence of all that through an American lens because they're themes that are cross-cultural. Right. Right. I agree with that. And ironically, when you see the, I wish you did see the author's take on this. He does a, short documentary not documentary just an interview i saw i saw an interview between him ang lee and the screenwriter yeah this was just him alone that would have been nice and yeah. he's a little bit bitter about the whole thing hmm. he says because he he liked the movie but it's not the book well he cried in the end credits it says really, really? so moved yeah and but i think it's it's really interesting. If you watch this interview, the bitterness, he, you know, all of a sudden it became Ang Lee's ice storm. He does talk about that in this interview that I watched, but yeah. but he but but in his mind, he literally says he believes that the film is actually better than the novel, which I agree with. But but he says it acknowledging what you just said, which is, it's lighter. It it. So it's almost as if he wished he didn't have to write it so bleak and dark but yeah like you said it was maybe it was, sounds like it was from uh, primarily an autobiographical standpoint Oh definitely definitely I think he's the narrator His of the experience. story yeah. and it focuses much more on the youth mm-hmm. and kind of kids like you know experimenting with you know there's a scene where Christina Ricci gets into bed with Sandy. Um, Sandy, you know, and they both take their clothes off and they're just laying there. You know, Sandy falls asleep because they drank some vodka. Adam Han Bird is the name of Sandy. Um, that's the actor okay. that plays Sandy. Yeah, He was in a movie before this called Little Man Tate. That's right. Which was right. Uh, the de- directorial debut of Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. And he won all sorts of acclaim. One got nominated, I think, maybe for an Academy Award. I don't know. Some kind of nomination that was big. You you you, you mentioned the the um, parents reversing roles with the kids. You know, there's also this thing in there threaded throughout about, to me, this is my take, is the parents... Uh, not all of them, but Joan Allen's character and maybe Kevin Kline to a certain extent. You know, there's moments where it feels like they're uh, they're filled with regret and they're longing for a time when they were more free and liberated and innocent. You know, there's a scene with Kevin Kline where he catches Christina Ricci messing around with Elijah Wood and he admonishes the two of them. And then they walk home together. And as they're walking, he, he basically says to her, yeah, not a big deal. It's just that sometimes it's not worth all the, the baggage that comes with, you know, getting involved with somebody, you right? Know, if they're not the right person. He goes, I just don't think he's right for you. And then he says to her, you know, are your feet cold? And she just kind of nods. So he says, come here, I'll carry you. Yeah. And she, and jumps he up picks her arms. up and he's kind of cradling her. And there's this beautiful shot with her face over his shoulder. It's mm-hmm. so tender. Yeah, And, uh, and then there's also, you know, the scene with Joan Allen, she sees Christina Ricci, her daughter riding by. In a bicycle. On a bicycle. And she just kind of stops and watches her as if she's and late. And of course, shortly after that, there's a scene where she goes out on the bike. Right. And she's riding around. So, That's just something that stood out for me too. And the way they act out, each character has a way of acting out. Yeah. Like Joan Allen, it's shoplifting. Right. And, you know, uh, with, I think, Christina Ricci, it's kind of sex. You know, she's kind of teasing between the two brothers. And shoplifting. And she, you know, she does her share of shoplifting too, but she doesn't get caught, right? Um, although she does, but doesn't get caught. That's right, right, right. That woman is credited, which is weird. Is she you know? credited? She's credited on the on the. If you look at IMBD, there's a credit for it's it. It's a great little moment. She catches her. A, she turns around. She, she What was it? A devil dog or something she stole. Yeah, it was a devil dog. She just looks yeah. at. You know, we say devil dog as if people know what that is. And you know, for us, right? The devil dog, it's big, at least in the Northeast. Yes. Whereas our aunt, who lived in California. Correct. Mom used to ship her devil dogs because they couldn't get them out there. California, nobody knows what that is. Yeah, it's like a- Even though they have similar things. It's a ho-ho or whatever. Yeah, and and I don't know if it's because of the name, but there's something weird about devil dogs. Anyway, um, yeah, they all act out in this way. And the funny thing, the scene you were just discussing with Kevin Klein and Christina Ricci, if you back up a minute, Mm-hmm. <laughs> he catches them, right? He's in. He's not in his house, exactly. Right, and and the kids are freaking out. They got caught, but really, it was Kevin Kline that got caught, which so, later bites him in the ass, him right at him, right. And and you notice the direction how Ang Lee intentionally has Kevin Kline's one side of his collar tucked into his shirt, and it's like ah. Uh, you know, it, like, even he's presenting, he's disheveled, and clearly, right. you right. know, something's up. But you're and right, then, he's, he's really the one that's... Yeah, you know, they could have thrown it right back at him, yeah. like, what are you doing here? But that's but, that's the parents raising, because when, when Christina Ricci and, and Elijah Wood are messing around, she's wearing this gaudy Nixon mask. Yeah that Ang yeah. Lee actually did up a little more. He put like eyebrows on it and he put makeup on it. Like he really had a thing for this Nixon mask. Yeah. And uh, I guess she was sweating her head off in that thing. Right. But, you know, when she pulls it off and she's like, okay, you don't have to do the stern dad thing. Right. You know, again, he's he's trying to do what he thinks he's supposed to do in that moment when He's more guilty than anything she's doing. Exactly. He's just being a teenager. And then you were dancing around this topic with Joan Allen. There was a scene where they start kissing her and Kevin Klein, her husband, who they're about as cold to each other as cold can get. Their marriage has run the course. And there's a scene, they're doing the dishes yeah, and she starts kissing him romantically, and he starts to say something, and she shuts him up. Right, like, shut up. Let's just yeah. If do you this. say anything, and she doesn't finish the line, but you, correct, you know, and they, and then it kind of cuts to him, uh, you know, you know going by into coming the, down the stairs and buttoning up his shirt, and exactly he has Christina that exchange with Christine? Ricci. Looks in the bedroom and sees the bed all disheveled and, and the showers running. Yeah, her mother's in, the, so she knows, Wait, you know, right? What what's up? What went on? Right? You know, uh, just to back up a little bit, when you were talking about ice, yeah, and there's two or three beautiful close-up shots of these old-fashioned ice trays, ice trays. where and for me, I never really heard, and I watched a lot of interviews with these guys over the weekend. And they never really expand upon that whole idea, except to say something about the fluidity and rigidity of water and ice and the reflective nature of it as well. And, and if, you, if you think about it, this film is a cinematographer's nightmare. There's reflective services all over the place. And it always fascinates me how filmmakers are able to work around glass doors and mirrors there's a couple of great scenes with there's one if you remember where joan allen and kevin klein this is when she basically knows the jig is up and he almost knows it's up too where this is after the scene uh where he catches elijah wood and christina ricci he's back in the house him and joan allen are talking and he says you won't you won't believe where i found her and she's like found her and he goes on to say, yeah, she was over at the, you know, the, the, the carver's mug. house. Yeah. And oh, what were you doing over there? She says, well, yes. I was returning the uh, mug that Jim left in the dashboard of the car, you know, the mustache mug. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. The mustache mug. But that whole scene, it's like a split screen. He's in the bathroom brushing his teeth and she's, it, it's her reflection in a mirror yes that's being filmed it's, it's a just, great shot it's beautiful in the way it's separated there's one later on where she comes in and there's a scene between her and kevin klein in the bathroom they have a little scene she walks out and leaves that she closes the door and leaves it just ajar, and it's this perfect again split screen of kind of again indicating that this is over this relationship's done Right. It's just, it's masterful. Well, you know, I was talking about the shoplifting with Joan Allen, Mm -hmm. and she gets caught. Another one, mirrors all over the place. Right. And I I don't know if you caught this, because it's a really, again, technical shot. She's stealing cosmetics, basically. And there's a woman that's watching her, and they also... show the, you know, those mirrors that are in the corners of of department stores. Yes. And if you look in the mirror, you can see down all the aisles and stuff. They're showing the view from the mirror, which is a great shot. It's a great shot. But she steals the stuff. There's this woman watching her in, in almost disgust, like the older woman was looking at Christina Reed. Yeah, she, she looks like Tootsie. Yeah. Yeah. She's looking at her like in disgust. And then there's a shot where uh, she's coming out the door with the stuff in her pockets. The pharmacist follows her out the door and you can see the reflection of the woman. That's right. With this grin on her face, just sheer delight that she got caught and she's being humiliated. You know, it's just an unbelievable shot. And, and again, the use of reflection and yeah, so that's a big feat. like I don't know how we did that shot because it almost yeah. looks like she's in front of them, but she's behind them. So it's fascinating. There's stuff. some there's some good discussion about the ice and in, in in the sense that you know, when it freezes and then eventually sort of reaches a point where you know it it well it it, it melts or it cracks. Yeah. And, you know, you see that in some of these these characters' stories in yeah. the way that, like Joan Allen. I mean, she gets to a point where she's she knows she's living this lie because she knows her husband's having an affair. And then he's kind of playing her for an idiot. But it finally comes to a head, this wonderful scene in the kitchen, again. Mustache mug. Right. Which is like, you're not even going to afford me the courtesy of... of you know, being honest with me about this or whatever. Right, right. And uh, it's a really powerful scene. But for me too, you know, ice storms, I've been through an ice storm when I lived in Maryland. And, you know, when I thought about it, they're both majestic, you Mm -hmm. know, it can be very, it's beautiful and also dangerous. Very dangerous. And I think that, again, it's, it's some of the themes here in the film. Well, this whole thing builds up through thanksgiving and then the night after is when this ice storm comes and it's kind of where we'll start to trail off because we can't really talk about sort of the pivotal scenes at the end yeah uh and and really the best parts of the movie and some of the greatest acting you will ever witness on screen uh, is is in these final maybe ten minutes of the film, and there's this big long scene, uh, this key party we briefly mentioned earlier, where uh, essentially this is one thing I I wasn't aware of before this movie, but um, guess I was, was I've never in, been to one. Guess it was actually. big in the seventies, yeah, it was. But uh, the you know all these couples come to this party and they drop their car keys into a bowl. And then at some point later in the night, they sort of do this random pick of keys. Like the women go and they pick a set of keys and whoever's keys they get, they go home with. Yep. And uh, there is, it is worth mentioning there's a, there's a part in that uh, scene where Sigourney Weaver, it's her turn. She goes to the bowl to grab these, and, and you're kind knows. of thinking she's gonna pull. Maybe she's gonna pull. Although it, I guess earlier they had this falling out, so it, that wouldn't happen. But you know, maybe. Although she's the to pull Kevin Klein's. Yeah, the expectation keys. is because I've been having an affair, and she knows what his keys look. She knows like. he his has keys. a Mustang. That's right. key Chain, and That's she right. knows which key is his. Yeah, and he's expecting her to pull. Sure,
1: but she key. doesn't.
0: No, she pulls the keys of this. Uh, other woman's son who she brought to the party talk right. about like 17 years old yeah 1973 folks yeah and the way that sigourney weaver takes the keys out and sort of wraps them around her finger and this young kid's like hey and you can see he's kind of excited he gets up to walk towards her so they can leave and as he's walking the camera pans over to kevin klein who's had a lot of vodka and he reaches out for the kid and goes, Hey, wait a second. And he stumbles and falls and he makes an ass of himself. But very awkward in that moment, it's basically confirmed and revealed that, yeah, he's been having an affair with her. Her husband's witnessing this, Joan Allen's, you know, and I it's think it's really, the first time the husband of Sigourney Weaver yes. all of a sudden realized, you know, because he's kind of daft in this, yeah, he kind is kind of on the fringes of everything and i don't think he knows what's going on quite no. frankly seems like Until a pretty the end good guy and, and then the end, he has right? he has the biggest scene in the movie i think absolutely i wish and we could talk about it but we i know can't. and we just can't well it's like we said at the beginning it's it's the hope that people listening will check this out be compelled enough to check this film out it's absolutely yeah. worth your your time it's yeah it is his best film without a doubt you know again based on the summary we we mentioned at the very opening of the episode and if you if you are into character-driven stories man this is this is the movie and and really bottom yeah to bottom everything about it i mean from the casting you know the, the characters the the acting the directing the the look of the film, uh, again, the period—you know, seventies. It's, it's, uh, it's really a fantastic film. So hopefully, people will check it out. Yeah, and if you've been to the Northeast in the winter time, this epitomizes what it's like for many months. Yes. Death, everything's <laughs> dead. I'm just saying, it's like Fuck. death. Well, Jesus, I'm just Christ. well. I mean, I'm—I don't mean people. I mean. I'm talking about that, trees are dead. Yeah, this will be Mike's last episode, folks. <laughs> Wish him well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's a miserable time of year. Well, again, it, it sort of goes to that dichotomy of, you know, it can be beautiful and it can be miserable. All yeah. in the same breath, really. And, you know, that's, again, a metaphor for relationships. Absolutely. It can be beautiful. They can and they miserable. can be disastrous. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's right. Now, you got anything else to say about this uh film before we wrap up? I hope people check it out. Yeah, I I I said it at the top. I was as riveted as I was when I first watched the film, it holds up that well. Yes. It's just such great work by Ang Lee. And it was weird to have watched that other film and then watch this. It's just so different and so much better. But if you're going to delve into Ang Lee's work and you haven't seen this one, do yourself a favor, it's amazing. I was invited to a key party by the way in the 70s. Were you really? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh. And I didn't go. Uh. I was too much of a coward. Aunt Dot was pretty wild back then. <laughs> what was that? Who? Aunt Dot. And <laughs> she brought me along. Oh yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's some weird stuff, man. That's some weird no, stuff. Seventies were oh god, I remember those clothes. Oh man, polyester this, and big collars and bell bottoms. There's I gotta say this one last thing about the key party because it's just funny and stupid. The one you uh, got invited to, or no? Oh, the, the, in the movie. The, right. yeah. I think I know what you're gonna say. There's a woman who's yeah, which they talk about in the commentaries. Yeah, Have when this heavy yeah. set woman who was fantastic, yes, you know, I mean, it's got to be awkward to be cast knowing that's why you're being cast because, right. but yeah, but go ahead because there's there's a brilliant sort of um about face or what's the phrase I'm looking for with Kevin Klein and this other actor, you know, it's kind of his nemesis in the boardroom, right, this executive who's out golfing with the muckety mucks and right. And he's there at the party, and he's looking to and get Kevin lucky. Kevin Klein, Kevin Klein, like dresses him down in front of all the execs for an idea he has. You know, yeah. It's, see, that's yeah. not in the that's not in the final film. That must be one of the that was on the because there was a lot of that scene that was cut. You're talking about a scene in the boardroom, yeah. There's yeah. That's nothing but a reaction shot by Kevin Klein. It lasts maybe a minute, maybe. Oh yeah you, but, Man, but there, i guess I, maybe it was in the deleted scene there was a lot more of that yeah i think the screenwriter was a little bummed it didn't make it in but yeah uh, that's part it's of what you're talking scene. about yeah so anyways fast forward to the key party so fast forward to the key party <laughs> and there's like you heavy, said, set, heavy woman set woman is, and she pulls a key <laughs> there's like a minute of silence it seems like it goes on forever you know it's what five seconds ten seconds but it seems like an eternity that like nobody's willing to say those are my keys and then all of a sudden it's like the guy that's kevin klein's nemesis is like hey all right yeah he goes you know? he goes how did you mess <laughs> or something like that it's so, <laughs> he's so that's so that's kevin oh or oh. What does Kevin Klein say? He says something. He doesn't say anything. No, he just reacts. He sort of sort of giggles a little bit. You know, I thought he said something like, "Well, it's gonna be a wild night for those two or something. No, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't have to. it's that it's was just so priceless. Funny. Song. Oh, it was great. It was great. That yeah. one was really because so many of them are setups. You know, they know yeah. the keys. And then there's the one woman that pulls her husband's key. They're like, "No, no, no. Oh, it's okay. Not oh, no, no, my no. husband's keys. Yeah, and whoops. Like, yeah, well, yeah. He's like, okay. oh, pull key. another one. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah no, no, no. Right. We're good. We're good. The woman that throws the party's like just." Just put that one aside. Put No, 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 we're good. No, it's okay. Fine. They, they didn't run any part of the key part, <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's funny. crazy. Funny. That's the 70s, folks. Yeah, because at the beginning, when you walk in the door, she says, it's totally optional. You know, you don't have to do this, but everyone is pressured. The peer pressure the adults feel is normally you know, something you would see in adolescence or yeah, kids. Right, right. So. Well, do yourself a favor. Look this one up. I th- That sounds like it's on Prime Video or it, it's worth buying it. It's worth adding it to your collection whether that's physical media or digital media. Especially. The I criteria. don't even know. I don't know if it's out on regular Blu-ray. They could have done Never a better job. It. They could have done a better job with that cover. I guess I'm used to it. I, I like the actual poster art i don't know if there's another blu-ray cut of it i'll, I'll have to check and, and uh, yeah and see I'll find that second disc for me Would yeah i i don't know if selfish i selfish bastard it, I, I might I, I i might i'll check all right well that's gonna that's gonna wrap this episode we got a good episode coming up next week uh, where it's oh, gonna man. be our thanksgiving episode and we're gonna be giving some major love to john hughes and one of our favorite all-time films Yeah, you know Steve Martin again. You talk about Mulan being... playing trains, and automobiles. popular. Yeah. We're at each other's throats. I I think that's what we got to do, is just pick a movie that you hate, I love. But, I mean, regardless of the film, I think it comes across. Hmm? Hmm? What? I love you. Huh? All right. I got to get to a key party. It's almost 7 (laughs) o'clock, so... It's gonna do it for another episode of Yo Brother Podcast. I've been your host, Dan Smith, alongside me as always, my brother from the same mother, Mike Smith, and we will see you next time. Stay warm, everyone. This is Cindy Busby and you're listening to the Oh Brother podcast.